Hey, I'm Jamie Neal, host of 360 Yourself. In 2014, I had a breakdown and was hospitalized. Too much work, too much anxiety, too much coffee, not enough self-care and not enough balance. In the hospital, laying over my thoughts, I had to rethink my entire life. The doctor said I was overworked and my body gave up. Now, I'm not gonna say it wasn't scary, but it was a turning point for me. From there, I started to rebuild myself reading hundreds of self-help books and questioning everything from why do we have triggers? What is ego? What is persistence and motivation? What is manifesting? And what is identity? Many years later, someone recommended that I start a podcast. I was always curious about how others lead their lives. And thus, 360 Yourself was born, interviewing incredible minds on how they understand themselves and how they utilize knowledge and awareness to set out into their space. 360 Yourself is a dedicated podcast meeting brilliant and curious minds and looking at the world around them. I speak to artists, musicians, sports athletes, authors, CEOs, and experts in human behaviors, released every Sunday at 12 o'clock. I ask questions about their mindset, journey, values, ethos, to fully understand how each of their minds work and process information. How can we become more aware of ourselves to grow to the ultimate person we know we can be? How do you 360 yourself to 360 the world around you? If you do enjoy our episodes that you're listening to and certain themes and topics ignite within you, please visit our Instagram page at 360 underscore yourself to tell us how you're growing and learning. Or you can email us jamie at 360yourself.co.uk. That's jamie at 360yourself.co.uk. And I'll read out every episode at the end stories and comments from you, the audience, the 360 years. Thank you, and remember to 360 yourself. Hey, Bing, how are you doing? Doing okay, Jamie. Trying my best to act like it's Friday and not feel like Monday. Uh, do you know what? I <laughs> I actually thought it was Friday yesterday, and I was making... <laughs> That's how your week is going. Literally, no, yeah. I literally, <laughs> the privilege. I made plans with two people saying tomorrow, oh yeah, tomorrow's going to be a great day because it's the weekend. And then they were like, you know, tomorrow's Friday. And I'm like, oh is it really oh dear me yeah it feels like i'm like maybe i'm ready for the week and you also we in in america they have fourth of july which is just around the corner which i didn't realize how big of a deal it was like and i i knew i knew it was a big deal but like in, in terms of how you celebrate it i like there's fireworks and barbecues like i just thought it was like a bank holiday and people just took time off and yeah that was a full-on thing yeah, no, it's a, it's a whole thing. I mean, it's independence, right? Uh, but uh, you're right. I think some people culturally just celebrate it. Like, um, I might get in trouble for this, but like how some people culturally celebrate Christmas. So I, I think it depends on who you ask. Oh, right. Okay. Well, because obviously I, I've never, and also I've never done Thanksgiving, right? So this year would be my first year doing it. So I'm right. like, I'm interested to know what that's, I'm, I'm assuming it's the same sort of experience of doing July 4th, but it's like food and big celebrations and stuff and it's like what i've heard what i've heard is that people become very very open and kind and like house people for thanksgiving like a lot of my yes. friends didn't know where to go and pe- random people were like come to my house for food and i'm yes. like that's amazing yes indeed it, it is a it is a sad thing that we need a holiday to remind people to give to others but uh, it is it is indeed true and i think in good american spirit all of our holidays are just full of forms of gluttony i'll say um yeah. but what, I can't your, be mad at that. What, what's your plans for July 4th? 
Uh, my partner's very upset at me about this, but uh, we're, uh, I really want to go see fireworks because I'm a child. Uh, I have not figured out where to go see fireworks without leaving the city. Um, we might have to make our own fireworks. Don't tell the government. We'll see. Make your own how how do you make your own fireworks? Is it like from I, I cannot answer that because then I'll get arrested. Um, oh, right, right. <laughs> oh yeah, because you can buy like things in. Yeah, sorry, I, I didn't understand. I thought you mean you buy. You know, okay, no, you get the ingredients, you put it together. Okay, that makes sense. Well, why don't you just go and buy some? I could. It's just uh, it's just other countries are a little far away from me to drive to right now. <laughs> Uh, right, fair enough, fair enough. Well, anyway, I, I, ho I hope you have a great 4th of July. And, and thank whatever, you, thank you, sir. You I can imagine you on a Sunday night, right, working all the way through. And, like, you know those people that got with the scientists with the goggles, like, working, like, 12 hours, like, carving out this massive, giant, like, firework and just placing it outside with, like, a oh, no. machine to unveil it and goes, woof, 12 hours of work. Here's the firework. Indeed, 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 indeed. I, uh... Yeah, I never went to a science class that I excelled in, so maybe I shouldn't be the one doing this. Maybe I'll write about it instead and, and see how we all explode in the winter. We'll see. Maybe, yeah, we'll see, maybe. We'll I mean, I, I also, I'm there as well. I didn't even get my, uh, G, we have we have this thing called GCSEs in the mm, UK, yes. which, uh, which I had, didn't get my science used to see at all. I, I couldn't understand biology, <laughs> chemistry. That was just like another, that, the periodic table. I was like, I haven't got a clue what that is. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. We just know some things mix and some things don't. Um, well, I just find it so fascinating. The things that you remember from school and the things you don't remember and the things you actually use. Like maybe at one point I might remember something from the periodic table or well, maybe I might use like algebra at some point. But most of the things, I, I, I don't know if it's, if it's a life thing, but it's funny how I you, agree. you learn loads of different things. What well, the streamline go? At some point, well, I mean, that's probably why you go to university, it's not all college, but yeah. I no, but even then, I feel like it's regurgitated, especially the whole liberal arts thing. I, I find myself, I, I find myself challenging whether I'm just bullshitting all of the, I guess, all of our training that showed us how to think as opposed to what to think. I'm increasingly thinking we should have learned what to think a little bit earlier, but unclear, unclear, unclear. Yeah, it's just, it's, the, oh, I mean, the I mean, don't get me started on the education system. We, we, we had someone on recently, um, May and Sam who basically run um, a company called Eric, which basically is based in the oh. UK. Um, and cool. they help um, uh, teenagers and education systems become better at giving career advice because it's not that great in the UK and they're not in and career advice are not informed enough and the arts, mm. everyone, not everyone knows about the arts and stuff and people know more traditional routes like accounting or lawyer mm. or whatever. So um mm. Like no one ever says, oh, you could be a radio DJ or a radio plugger or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, or you can be a TV host that like, no one knows. No one says that at careers of at careers day. So um, yeah, yeah. They're, they're doing a great job. But anyway, awesome. I want to say thank you so much for coming on 360 Yourself. So no, my privilege. how I always start this is I love to know what is the beginning for you? Like, where did you come from? Where are you born, family, and then got you to here? Uh, I was conceived in Buffalo, New York. I was born in Tennessee. Uh, I spent my sort of elementary school years in the South there. Uh, I spent my foreign and middle school years in Shanghai. Uh, and then I spent high school, uh, effectively, uh, in the OC in Cali, which is why I sound like this, unfortunately. Um, I, both of my parents come from extremely economically modest means and both made the American dream as it were. Uh, yeah, I guess that's where I come from.
And I come from a good place most of the time. Actually, I come from a good place all of the time. It just may not be presented as the best in the best way all what, the time. What do you mean by by that? That's interesting. I I am now going to feel like that person who says that I'm honest and I'm actually the biggest liar in the world. Um, but uh, I I'm a, I'm a foundationally phenomenally good person. Um, I, I think my it comes from my mother. Uh, I am always very very well intentioned. Um, I want utilitarianly what is the best for the world and our species for a variety of reasons that are inextricably tied to why I think I'm on this earth. Uh, I think the difficulty is because I'm only one person and therefore I have the deficiencies of one person's perspectives and experiences. I can't know how to scale that well-intentioned desire to everyone in the way that they want to be scaled to. Um, And so of course that will rub certain people the wrong way in different times, obviously entirely unintentionally, but I don't know. I think I also have enough enough grace generally to to acknowledge that and try to sort of you know work to improve upon that uh, as often as possible where where do you think you develop this sort of passion from like where where can can you because obviously we can only look backwards and then pinpoint yeah. the of or the environment or the advice or whatever or yeah. moments of pivot like where do yeah. you think that, that happened for you I think, um, I mean, like all things that comes, I think viscerally and then also deductively. Um, so viscerally, I just always like helping people when I was little. Uh, I was always building these big systems that could include as many people as possible. Uh, it's why I think when I was a child, I was invited to literally everyone's birthday party, the agnostic of social cohort. Um, so I think it's just something I intrinsically get excited about to help others. Um, I think at a, uh, at a, how do you say, uh, another visceral level is uh, I've unfortunately had many brushes with like very real death, whether in my own life or in my immediate sort of family. Um, and I think when things like that happened to you, exhibit A, when my father passed away when I was 15, um, you start to, you're forced to basically reconcile why we live. Um, and, and I think the highest form of living is, of course, realizing your absolute form of dream as quickly as possible and all that. Um, and so I think it also comes from those experiences. Uh, at a deductive level, um, regardless of who you read, the very biased grant study or otherwise, everyone will basically say that humanity wants two things, strong familiar relationships. And then second is uh, meaningful impact, which is usually concentric with one's career, or hopefully I should say concentric with one's career. Um, and so uh, moreover, like, you know, we are now experiencing the single largest influx of moral deaths in history with a third of the population, the baby boomers passing away. And so when you see just, you know, you know, there's this canonical persistent imperative of what is meaning. You see all these people dying, which is our only universal currency as a species. Unfortunately, you then are forced to have some form of urgency of, okay, well, let's figure out why people are here and get them there as quickly as possible. Um, so I think, I think those are a couple of places it comes from. Uh, obviously, when I was a child, like this, was, this thinking was like not at home. I just knew I liked helping people and wanted to make their dreams come true. But I think with time, uh, there are more practical ways to codify that sort of come to be. Mm. Well, how when when your father passed, when I'd uh, been so so little, how much did that? I mean, there's many different um, stories that I've heard of of parents uh, being lost early on in their childhood. And that really shaping how they view the world and also values as well. Like, because obviously we, I think at the moment in time, a lot of people potentially have like a, a duality between having a really great quality of life and capitalism. So making money, but also enjoy, also enjoying what you, um, oh dear, also enjoying what you do for, for, for a living. Now, does that, did, when that situation happened, and you wanting to become 
who you wanted to become successfully, etc. But also understanding that there is a finite of time in life, and and anything. Yeah. How did you reconcile that and deal with that with that passing? Yeah, I think.、Um... I mean, it's 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 such a great question. It's also a very loaded question. I, I think, like all things, there's multiple answers. I think、um, my father, just for context,、uh, as I mentioned, came from economic, economically very modest means in Taiwan.、Uh, he is the second oldest son of six children.、Um, the the apartment, effectively, it's really a shack. It wasn't even an apartment that he grew up in. is smaller than the first condo I bought when I was twenty four. Um, and and I don't say this to impress you on my own economic means that are obviously directly attributed to what he afforded us, but to impress upon the the disparity of 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 wealth.、Um, he became CFO of Philips for North America and Asia eventually, so was phenomenally successful,、uh, Fortune 500 CFO,、um, and basically passed away in his early 50s before he could actually experience the fruits of any of that labor. And so you have someone who made it, and it was the American dream, and then died before he realized it. And so I think the the impact of that is one. You wonder whether everyone has a dream. You wonder when they re- reach it whether it actually is the dream. You then wonder who is able to benefit from it and carry it forward. And then, of course, by virtue that you wonder how long it lasts. And and these are really hard questions because none of us ultimately know if we're doing the right thing. And certainly none of us will ever see you know the flowers that we plant seeds for,、um, just because we we are not immortal. Um, and so I think that 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 at a distilled level really forced me to say, okay, like I don't know if what I want to do is right. I don't know if anyone, anything that anyone's doing is right, and I certainly don't know how long it will last. And so I have to suddenly now be comfortable with that. And then second, I have to be, I have to work my hardest to fight against that inevitability of how do I make mine and everyone else's dreams come true as quickly as possible, as deeply as possible, for as long as possible. So I think that's one.、Um, in, in terms of just like mission and my own purpose,、uh, I think second, in terms of imperative,、uh, we all get stressed out by a lot of things like work, relationships, like the subway, like all the things.、Um, and I remember in my last first job at Google, we we used to say when someone got mad.、Um, This is so terrible, but we we really used to say this. We used to say they need to go watch someone they love die, and the reason why is because when you see someone die, it it contextualizes so much in your life to the point where you realize most things are trivialities. Most people do not matter to you. Most people will never matter to you, and moreover, you do not matter to most people. And and I think the reason that's helpful is not because it makes you a nihilist, but because it helps you to focus on the people and the things that actually truly truly matter. Um, I remember just saying, "I was like this." My my favorite wisdom from childhood is I used to watch all the VH1 behind the music, like Emmy winning shows, and I remember shares. <laughs> not to not to invoke share. I remember shares. She said when she was like down from her music career, I think she had just gotten divorced from Sunny. Like like she said that her mother told her, "If it doesn't matter in five years, it doesn't matter now." And I remember when my father passed away, immediately thinking of that line that, "Oh my God, there are so few things that matter." Even in five years,、um, and so I think that's the second impact. It just makes you focus.、Um, and then the third thing I think at a more practical level is those of us who have the privilege of having conviction in what we are doing, having passion in what we are doing, having financial sustainability in what we are doing, having responsibility to ensure that we're deploying all that satisfaction and lucrativeness to the masses. Um, said another way, like Mark Twain once said that、um, the first half of your life, if he effectively says this, I'm paraphrasing, but if he said that the first half of your life is spent amassing, 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 and then the second half of your life is spent giving it all away. 
And so my thing, my question is, okay, there is value to amassing enough formidable resources so you can give them away. But if we can give away while we are gaining as quickly as possible, I think that's actually the best route. Um, because it's ultimately what we have as human beings. We take nothing with us when we go. And so I, I think that was the third impact of my father, luckily, loved us in the way he thought best, which was not through emotional capacity, which was not through hugs, was not through smiling, but was through making sure that we didn't have student loans in college. And, and so in my life, it's like, okay, well, what is my version of that where I can build, but then also give as rapidly as possible? Mm, interesting. It's, yeah, it's in, love languages. Uh, you've, you've ever heard love languages. I find those fast. Of course, I'm annoying on these. Yeah, and like how your dad was, his focus and his objective was to make sure financially everyone was taken care of, but then... In other, in other capacities of, of people's lives and, and, and family and, and parents, that the love is the important thing. And that's the, that's the focus. And the financial thing is second. But it's so far, do, it's, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Like the idea of how we grow up with our family and what I always think about the values of, and, and how the mindsets of your parents ultimately really do really rub off on you and and sometimes in later life you have to work do the work to shed those mindsets potentially if they're not in line with current um surroundings what's happening in the world at the moment because they get older and generally speaking um older people don't really change their mindset too much and so they're sort of stuck in that mindset of the past and you've sort of inherited you've taken on that mindset but you're like hang on a minute but this is not what this is happening at the moment and we have to be moving forward we have to be changing we have to be growing and so I'm fascinated by by that and, and, and I was speaking to to my therapist about this as well like the idea of relationships are so different back in the 70s and 80s and 90s because careers wasn't as focused on it was you make money to feed the family and pay rent when our career is you get a lot more from your career now so i'm also curious about that as well about that that dynamic the 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 lining sort of personal satisfaction capitalism or what how do you mean the last one um like because because relationships with we we where sometimes we say oh it was great in the past or you look up to your parents in a way that that was oh that was really great but that's not the way the world works now and people have different agendas and the world works very differently and so when you sort of idolize potentially what business was like back then when you see your family or what family was like back then or relationships were like back then you slightly have to be a bit more malleable and flexible because it's not the same thing it's a different time now and we don't really have potentially 40-year marriages nowadays um it's not the same thing and i only wish we did have them and hopefully we will have more of them but it's slightly different compared to what we have or what we what was then and we sort of idolize sometimes our parents in a way that oh well, that that kind of makes sense but that's not the, that's not how it works nowadays because time yeah. changed yeah absolutely no it's it's a great point i mean just to go in order on the different love languages that this it reminds me of like the old political platitude that we are more similar than we are different because you're right like some of that like acts of service some of like physical gifts some of like physical touch some of like quality time but ultimately this is all just about loving and belonging 
And so I think that the hard thing for all of us is, is being sort of persistent translators between our own minds and each other of, are we saying what we mean? Are we doing what we say? Um, the, the second thing on like our family units and how we like just navigate that, I, I immediately think of two things. Like one, it is a natural cycle of things as you know very well, Jamie, not, not to like age both of us, but like we're, we're more or less, I think the same age um, of like, it's just natural that we should be broader, theoretically better, more valuable and so forth than our forebears in every way. You know, uh, economically, that is definitely not the true, unfortunately, but, but, but otherwise, like in terms of relationships, we should be right. Um, I think the challenge that I always think of, and I don't know, this may be like trauma laden is every time I see something like, God, why didn't my parents understand this? Why don't they understand like that? Blah, blah, blah. I am immediately, I immediately terrified by what will be the thing for us that we hate now and then. Yeah. Like when my mother, yeah. Like when yeah. my mother can't figure out Gmail. I immediately think like, oh God, what will I not figure out when I'm 60? And exactly. so, yeah. And so I think it's just like, hey, it's like this beautiful cyclical circle of life that like we all just repeat like the four, our forebears. But also like, I think then we have a responsibility to be even more conscientious of like, okay, I'm not going to yell at my mother because she doesn't know Gmail because I don't want my children yelling at me. Um, and then it's like, okay, can we just be like as conscientious as possible in our own lives as we age and try to be as attuned across generations as we can, knowing that we probably won't. Um, but yeah. I don't know. I only have terror when I think of that. It's like, it's, it's the same thing as like dying. It's like, what will I miss? And what will I miss that I miss? And I don't know the answer to that because I won't know what it is, you know? Yeah, I th- I, it's true. It's true, isn't it? Obviously, the, the notion that when you when you pass on, you take nothing with you. And what will you miss? Like, wait, you only know when you get to that pit what you will miss out in life. And hopefully you have no regrets and stuff. But it is yeah. it is fascinating when you have like the only the only thing that can really really um change your mindset about the trivial things in life is actual death yeah from a very close loved one um that's true and it, and it shapes you but and then i think where we're at this moment in time in life is that a lot of people are a bit lost because there's a lot going on in the world at the moment in time it's it's a bit, bit crazy and um, and people are trying to figure out where they stand like there's more people leaving jobs now and starting new jobs there's a lot more people now losing jobs because of what's happening at the moment in time and it's just it's interesting to see where is the the value of the why why do we do what we do and i love and i and i ponder this this question quite a lot about Mm -hmm. why and the purpose do we do what we do and it seems like with what you do especially with um gold house as well which is um, you're the, the one of the co-founders is that you really want to help and support as much as possible and I'd love you to explain more about what Gold House is. Yeah uh, Gold House is trying to build a Pacific bridge um, so regardless of who you are we are trying to create this space where you can get development investment resources promotional resources and find success across the two largest continents in the world that will define economically that will define the next few decades of the earth which are of course north america and asia Uh, now the path there is of course gradual so we have a three-phase plan um to date what we look like is threefold one is we have the largest uh cultural leadership network for asians i'm not doing this just because i'm asian i'm 
doing because we are the fastest growing population in this country, the United States. We are the majority of the world with four and a half billion. We out-index basically every other demographic in digital consumption, device usage, all the things. Um, so there's just a commercial imperative in addition to a, a cultural imperative of wanting just more prominence or equitable prominence. Um, so that's number one. We have a large leadership network. We collaborate in different ways. Second is we try to reshape public opinion through media while also leveraging media's formidable promotional and cultural influence. Um, so we do everything from first call for every Hollywood studio and streamer on cultural consultation to investment in the next generation of creatives to the successful marketing of projects uh, all the way to awards. Uh, and then third is we know that to enable not only our community, but also to bridge the specific, it's not just a matter of mouthpieces and media, it's also a matter of money. Um, because as we all know, depending on your country that you live in, green is the only color that we all speak. Um, and so, or see, um, and so, uh, we, to that end, have the largest top API founder network, the nation's leading founder accelerator, and also definitive API fund. And I'm not trying to build a world for and by run by our people. I just know that to build large networks, you always have to start niche. And this is one version of a large niche that we're going to begin with. Um, so yeah, that's, that's in a nutshell. And how do you, how does all this evolve once you step back? One is engaging even more traditionally marginalized or multicultural communities for this benefit. Two is telling our stories and supporting other stories so we can all just be on message and learn about the experiences of others. And I think media is probably the most inoffensive and best way to do so. And then third is we all know what multiculturally founded businesses and employment look like right now, right? The recession has officially already begun with the halting of so much hiring from the major conglomerates. And so how can we ensure that we are equitably employing others, whether it's by gender, uh, race, orientation, faith, and so forth um and then we'll go from there so where so two questions where did uh, or how did gold house start and where is it going to go and open up yeah um so uh like all things it has two origins um so on the inductive side uh, or visceral side um a bunch of us it was like kevin lynn the founder of twitch who's one of my best friends and vice chairman of the organization jenny young who's the highest ranking asian in the academy of motion picture arts and sciences uh all the way to director john m chu of in the heights wicked crazy rotation uh we were all in a room with a bunch of old Chinese men, mostly in real estate and finance. And we asked ourselves, why is our community not thriving analogously to the African diaspora and the Israeli diaspora? And we realized it wasn't because of necessarily societal bias or systemic omission. Uh, in fact, one could argue our community more than many, or at least certain ethnicities within our community are quite white adjacent and therefore beneficiaries of it. Um, but instead, we realized it was actually because our own community didn't support itself. And so we then went on this six-month roadshow and talked to 300 of the top BPI cultural leaders, C-suite executives, presidents, A-list celebrities, Olympic gold medalists. And we asked them, basically, if you were to reverse this, what would you do? And everyone said the exact same four things. One was, none of us support each other. We all shit talk each other. Number two is, we hate how we're overly affected by the media. Three is, none of us can ascend to C-suite or board director ranks. And fourth is, we have no political power. Or certainly, we have political power, but the political system does not recognize or value it. Um, and so we, of course, tackled the first three policies of the whole other world that a lot of nonprofits can't even touch anyway legally. Um, so that was the inductive sort of approach. The deductive approach is my dream at a practical level is to build a new existential Walt Disney company. Existential meaning we only focus on stories and systems that are life and death. Um, second is specifically focusing on multicultural communities who have been disenfranchised in all the places and all the ways. Um, and so Gold House is in many ways my Disney world. Um, and the idea though is imagine it being real. So instead of walking into like, A, instead of paying the well, let's go back. I love Disney World. Instead of paying hundreds of dollars into a wall, literally walled garden, uh, admiring fictitious characters, instead imagine paying nothing. In fact, getting paid 
to walk into a system that whether you're a creative, like a musician or filmmaker or a company owner for a CPG brand or a SaaS platform, we will be able to make your dreams come true at the highest levels. Uh, and again, we're specifically focused on the two super continents that will run the next two decades of the earth. Um, so yeah, so that, that's where that goes. And then in terms of expansion, uh, we just started our phase two plan called Goldbridge because we're annoying. Um, I suspect our phase two plan will take about five years to complete. Phase one took three. Um, there are three dimensions to the bridging. So one is cross-pollinating both the media as well as the startup worlds. So how can we get startups into Marvel films, which we of course have not successfully done? Um, how can we get creatives to invest in the next great companies? Think of like the Jessica Alba Honest companies, the Ryan Reynolds, like all, like all the things, right? How can we do that for multicultural groups? Second is cross-continental. So how do we bridge good pathways across the Pacific? Um, I have a deep passion, both in my personal life, being a third culture kid, and also my professional life and scaling YouTube's global creator services worldwide uh, of doing this. Um, and so, so that's that. Uh, and then third is cross-cultural. So how can we make sure that we as, as APIs have not only responsibility, but have a, an active hand in ensuring the equitable projection and employment of all multicultural groups. Um, we said another way, like I'm trying to like fix problems and systemic racism and misogyny and so forth that we did not create, but uh, that we will be complicit in solving. Um, so we have a ton of work here. You'll see actually in the next two months um, that, uh, that we're doing there. <laughs> How do you have time to do all this and also do the other things that you're doing? Where, how, do you, how do you personally split your time? We, so we have a phenomenal team. Um, the, the, my management style is very federative where I don't, I don't dictate. I'm like Socratically like align plans and then let everyone run um, just because I think it's, it's derogatory and, 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 and just disempowering to not do that. Mm -hmm. um, I also am told that I have high functioning ADD from my therapist, uh, which I'm also told most founders do. <laughs> and so, I don't know. I just like context between like doing all the things at once. Uh, and I, I think- I know that, I know how you feel. Cause I, I, have, yeah. I struggle with doing one thing and I had, a, I had to call my therapist the other day and I was like, I just wish sometimes, sometimes I just wish that I was just a marketeer or I was just an accountant. And that's all yeah. I, the problem is, is when you are really skilled in different areas and there's shiny things over here and you know that, in your brain as a polymath or as a person yeah. that sees a lot of things, it all interconnects, but to everyone yes. else, it's just like, it's so, so bright. I'm like, it's not, it all yes, connects. That's exactly I'm not right. going to go that's and be, exactly I'm not going to go and be an architect over there. Cause that's totally different. But what, what I am doing is all connected. That's exactly right. Yeah. Sometimes more is more. Right. Uh, and those of us who have the, the privilege of being able to context switch and do all the things like have a responsibility to do so. Uh, and that's okay. You know, and I, but I, I do feel you on the limitation. Like the grass is always greener. It would be nice to have a regular nine to five job sometimes and like go to things like happy hour. Like, I don't think I've ever been to happy hour in my life actually. But, but, um, so, so, but, no time, you, did, but so. you did work for, uh, for YouTube though. So you did, so you had, you had a stint of working for like a, a company and then how long did that last before you were like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to jump ship and do my own thing. Uh, I was there for five years, the most incredible five years of my life. I, was, I, owe, I mean, I do owe my career to what we built there. I would say that the distinction is I worked a hundred hour weeks at YouTube, not because I needed to, because I wanted to, because um, that's what it takes to build a $50 billion ecosystem. It takes time. And so, um, yeah, like, but it was, it was amazing. Like, I think that the moment I realized it was time to leave, I remember I was 25. Um, I had just globalized the YouTube partner program into 42 countries. It was I don't know if I'm supposed to say this now, but like it was bringing $400 million that year, uh, which is basically triple of where it was. And then by the time I left, it was 1.5 billion. It's now multiple billions. And I remember I was in the CEO staff meeting who I did not report to, obviously my boss did, um, with even that was an anomaly. 
and and we were going around the room and the tldr like there was there was a really bad quarter economically like sales was not doing well like we just lost this big industry deal i won't say with the category but it may or may not be one of the two top categories on youtube like and it was just like all bad and then it came to me where we brought all this new revenue in we had all these new sexy programs and i remember thinking like why am i a decade and a half younger than everyone else here without a harvard mba doing more work like something is lopsided there and and i don't mean this in like a self-aggrandizing way i mean like as someone who constantly wants to build more and more and more and more, and more and learn more and more and more and more I saw my life flash forward of like, if I stay here another decade, I'll be vice president doing the exact same work, maybe getting paid a little more, but like, what's the point? And so that was actually the biggest triggering moment of, okay, maybe it's actually time to go. The other side was like, I've always wanted to be Disney. That has been my dream since I was three years old. And so I always knew YouTube was going to be a training ground. It was just a matter of how long I would stay there. Uh, and this was that kick in the ass of like, okay, it's time to go. And sure enough, I left a year later, year-ish. Why, why, why is the work ethic, people not putting in so much work compared to, like, what, why, was, why is that? Is it because of complacency? Or is it just because they've been there for a long time? Like, why, why did you sort of notice that? I, mean, I, I would say it's less work, it's probably more impact. And I, I would never say it's because they're less talented or less devoted or anything like that. Like just, we all have our own challenges. Um, uh, I mean, candidly, like if you handed me, let's say like an entire music industry operation, I I, I could figure it out, but like, I, I don't know that I would perform better, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so so I, I was honestly less concerned about the deficiencies of others in that quarter. I was just more concerned about my lack of growth within the next right. decade. Yeah. Um, and it was, yeah. And like, yeah, I, I just like, I just want to grow. Like, I mean, what else, what else is the point of life? Like, do we just graduate and pass to 22? Like, that's not right. Here. No, not at all. But I, I, I think a lot of people have that, they ever have two mindsets, right? They have a growth mindset, which is what, what a lot of entrepreneurs do, right? Because they get, feel like they're getting trapped potentially if they're working for someone else and they're like, oh, I think I can do this a bit better. So let me go over here and do it. Or well, there's yes. people who are not not settlers. I don't. I probably don't know what the mind what, what you call that mindset, but people who just want to work for someone else and they don't really yes. want to go over there and do anything. They just want to have a paycheck, do the job, um, or obviously grow within the job and 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 promote within it, but not go off and start their own thing. Yep. And it's. I mean, I'm I'm of two minds on this. Like, I think we're a species of seasons. Like, for everyone who says they're a growth person, like they also need to chill the fuck out and breathe. You know, and like Lord knows, like once they get a mortgage and kids, like they may slow down a little bit for a few years so they can be good parents, you know. And so I think I think there has to be like some grace, or at least I, I try to like give grace to if someone is just acting a certain way, like I've just learned to say like they have their own war, they have their own priorities. It's not my position to reflect on that. If they work with me, then maybe I need to exert some more agency if they're slowing us down. But but in other cases, you know, we just have to like give people grace. And, and then I think the second piece is like. And this may be like the slight Confucianist in me, the, the non-misogynistic Confucianist in me, but like the like everyone that we have to believe is essential in their own ways. And, and by virtue of that, like everyone is trying to do the best they can with what they have and what they know. Now that may or may not be true, right? Like, like there are certain outlier cases, like people who go shoot up high schools, like they need to go. Like that's not right. Um, there are other people who may just be like cow potatoes all day long. We can debate all day long whether that's productive. But I think at the end of the day, like are like it is not my job to dictate what others should be doing with their lives and yeah. and, and and sort of being persnickety and finger pointing what people are not doing with their lives mm -hmm. my job is to for those who want something more to ensure that i'm getting there as quickly as possible um yeah. and then everyone else can come in their own time if they want and if they don't that's also fine you know indeed like, indeed indeed so i think for a long i think for a long time when i was younger because i was uh, fer ferociously ambitious i'd like 
why are you not why are you not as vicious as I am and then mm. I would then I then I would be like and I want to help this person I'm like do you not want this I can I, I want to help you and support you mm. Um, mm. and then my dad said something really great He's, exactly what you said he said um everyone has their own path and whether they choose to take it or not is entirely up to them and you can't, yes. you can't force someone to be ambitious or want the same things that you want because it, it's not everyone we all need like someone needs to work in a bank as a as, yes. a, as a bank person someone needs yes. to work in as a doctor like we all can't yes. be at like at a certain level because then the world would would not work it just would exactly work right. and so the, exactly that was a really great piece of advice my dad and then I oh, then I I, I um, murmured, murmured on it for a while and then I was like oh yeah and then then I started then put my energy in the exactly like you putting my energy in the people who actually are like-minded who are also as hungry as me and then I was like oh, okay this makes sense now okay this energy feels better now okay I'm not getting just I'm not getting annoyed at the people who I think could be really great because you you'd try to explain to them or help them or support them or guide them or give them some sort of opportunity and then they wouldn't take it and you'd be like i don't understand and then so i'd be like okay that makes sense now i'll put my energy yeah. in the right place that's what yes. i want to do but yeah I, I, I think it's super important and i think what one of my um one of my curious conversations or that something that i can't really relate i can't but maybe i can i come from a very small village um and in the middle Where of the and so there's not where, where's no where's nowhere in this case, Jamie. Uh, so a place called Plymouth. So Plymouth Rock, okay. which is quite famous. Um, yeah. And I come from a, um, out just outside Plymouth City, which is a place called Plimpton, which is in the middle, pretty much middle of nowhere. Probably about four, four hours from London. Um, mm. And I it's the same thing that you don't if you don't see it, you don't know it's possible. Right. And so I didn't really have like entrepreneurs and I didn't really have like creative people around me that much because it's like in the middle of nowhere and most people were builders or they work in the pub or you didn't really have it and I was listening to a uh, another podcast recently and, and this person was based in Liverpool and the same thing is that these people unless you are surrounded or you have like-minded people that can equally um, inspire you and support you then it feels quite it feels quite lonely and so what I kind of want to ask as well is that do you also also how much support do you do for people who haven't got that community or network or like-mindedness? Because unless you really find that community who are very like-minded like you, the energy instantly clicks and you're like, I so see what you guys are doing. I really want to be part of this. But if not, you're like running on your own fumes of, and you don't really find that community so I'd, I'd love to know like how you might be supporting that or what, what your advice would be for people who are trying to find that yeah I mean it's, it's a constant like undulative thing like I, on the one side I, I go out of my way to try to scale all of our services and systems to as many people as possible as quickly as possible so everyone can find community under themselves um, by virtue of that it's not my job to tell people what community is or who they are part of or even have me be a part of theirs or them a part of me right like yeah, it's yeah. my job to build sandboxes um and i think that's, that's at least as far as i know and how i've been trained like the only way to really scale it out on the other side like do i want to meet all the people be friends with all the people yes but i'm also an adult now where i realize that is not only impossible but undeserved and undeserved for me like 
like we have to protect our time and energy and should only spend time with the people that we really love, whether it's love codified by fun or love codified by like, like pure impact, like all the things. Mm. And so I think this is where I've changed the most in the last seven years. I've been militant with my time. Um, I like, I, I more often than not will tell people I will not meet with them in the imminent future because I do not have time. And, and I will only make time for people who are a really good hearted and who I just like intrinsically enjoy, like these are my Coachella friends, all that, or two, who I think are doing really groundbreaking work with pure intentions. And if you don't check at least one of those boxes, and typically you have to check both, I will not spend time with you. Straight up, I won't. Uh, I don't take generals. Like I know you, like in our proverbial like media industry, everyone loves generals and the catch up. I don't do generals. I think they're a waste of time. Uh, and it's not because I think I have all the things I need. It's just, if I need something, I will go find it. Yes. Uh, and if someone thinks there's something important enough for me to know, they should tell me. And if they don't, then it's probably not important enough. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. And also my, my, like I'm, my schedule is so full, like I, I don't have time. And so I, I know this sounds really callous and self-aggrandizing, but it's not where it comes from. It comes from a place of, I have a mission. It is working. I have a short timeline on this earth. And I already have the privilege of collaborating with all sorts of people that I love and that are impactful. And, and I'm happy with that. Mm. Um, so yeah, but it's, it's a constant agile advance because like as much conviction as I have on that, like I still feel bad that I can't be with all the people it's, I want to. It all sure, time. Yeah, like, yeah. So it's just like, a, you know. Yeah. Um, but, and, I, but I think more often than not, we have to be militant. Yeah, it's just, I, I, I question it quite a lot of like, of, of people finding their community or people being... I don't know, connected to people who are like-minded, who might not have those resources. Like for me, it's like the resources, right? I, did, I, I was very, like, I was speaking to my friend in Los Angeles who, who also was from my area. And we were saying, most people don't even leave where I'm from because they, they don't know, they don't know, they don't know what, what's out there. Um, and maybe if they had that sort of resources or maybe they had that, that person who is the entrepreneur who was doing really, really well when we were growing up, maybe more people would leave and, and, and do, mm-hmm. uh, do other things and explore the world because the world's amazing. That's okay. yeah, all right. That's yeah. Fair. And so, and so I was, I always think about these, these sort of things. And, and that's why I, I if, if I, if, if Plymouth university ever is listening to this and ever want me to give a speech, <laughs> I would love to go back and just support like the person who is maybe a bit lost or maybe is trying to figure out the way or was wants, wants to move to London, but has no idea how to do about it, even though it's four hours away, but those sort of things. I mean, I, I left my hometown when I was 15, that I was ready to go. So yeah, I, yeah it's, it's interesting. All these sort of things. Yeah. No, you're right. Like, I mean, it's, yeah, it's so hard. I like, I don't, even know, I don't know how to respond productively to this comment. It, it's hard. Yeah. It's really, really hard. Um, I think, I think the best we can do is like try to support as many people as possible in the way we know how and to be comfortable with pissing the people who have been unintentionally omitted from that plan because it is not our job to save everyone. Mm. Like even God does not save everyone, you know? Like, like Jesus does not save everyone. Like two, two billion people are Muslim. Like they do not believe in Jesus. He did not save them, you know? So like no one saves everyone. And I think the faster we realize that and then are comfortable with upsetting the people that we did not ask to help is the second that we feel freer. Um, and that's been a tough lesson that I've like learned in the last seven years or so. Cause I used to be like such like a happy people pleaser because I was like friends with everyone and all the yeah, things. Well, this is no way to live. What, how did that shift? What, what shifted it? 
I think it's when, so I think it comes from, I'm so annoyed. It comes from two places again. Um, I think one of my core values is justice. And I don't mean like on the streets, poster activist justice. I mean, fairness. Um, and when there's something inequitable in the world, I get viscerally, like physically upset. Um, so I'll give you one example. I, I once was part of a company where one, the number two basically slept with all his direct reports. And and I and this person was also just not talented. Um, but even one of those things should have gotten this person fired. And, and this person wasn't, and it really upset me. Um, and so like uh, by virtue of the justice piece, I realized in my late 20s that a lot, actually not a lot, every piece of negative feedback I got was inaccurate. And I can't support inaccuracies. Like that gets me this really upset, you know? Um, and so, so I think that was one of like, well, why do I care what naysayers who are just wrong think? Mm -hmm. And then the question is, do any of them actually matter? And this is actually the harder question because like, if I were a politician, I'd say, well, let's have a listening tour. Let's bring everyone around the table at lunch and like talk about our reasons. Like that is one way to do it. But I think the other way to think about it, and this is indeed the way I like prioritized is, I know I'm a good person who is very talented and brings as many people along with me and 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 can lay pedestal as many people as possible, as often as possible. If I'm a creature of habit, which I am, who continues to multiply, then over time, even though this near-term naysaying and negativity is gonna be annoying, over time, I will be okay. And more important than me, the work and the system will be great. And so that's actually the path I've taken of like, I can't support inaccuracy. And in the mid long term, because life is theoretically longer than we think, but not for all, like I'll be okay. And like, and fuck is me. Like if I care about my emotions over my work, like that's not right either, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I think the third thing at a practical level, all, this is a little all of fairness is like, I, I used to call it the Kanye effect, but I can't anymore because he's like deeply problematic. But um, uh, 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 is like, if you do anything novel, you will piss off at least 50% of people. And the reason why is because humans gravitate to polarity. Like we just think in terms of night and day Republican, Democrat, like we're just attuned to this. Very few people can very elegantly flow in the in-between area of the grays, right? Very few people can do this middle part um, consistently. And so by definition, we all will come, maybe not from the absolute polarity, but you'll come from one side. You know, so like, let's say you come from this side and you make something new. All these people are going to be pissed off, right? Indeed. This is practicality. Yeah, yeah. It's practicality, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, so the question is, are you being as thoughtful, as inclusive as possible? Are you being uh, as impactful as possible? And then are you pissing the right people off? Because you will piss someone off. It's just of a matter course. of whether you're pissing That's... the right people off. Exact Example, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm curious who's going to be the new Bond, right? And so I was having a conversation last night. Idris Elba. Well, I, it would be amazing. I'm kidding. I, I don't think it's going to be. But, I, well, I mean, be. I also think, why can't it be someone who's um, from the LGBT, Black community? Like, do you know what I mean? Why can't it be like that? Mm -hmm. And then, then I think going, that would be really forward thinking. It would be, it would take the franchise in a different way. But then it was obviously would anger all these other people. And my, one of my friends had said, no, he, the person's got to be big. And like, I was like, why? Like as in like as in like muscular and that sort of thing. I was like, oh, I think you meant big in terms of fame. Well, that's no, 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 no. Is it big in terms of like muscular and also because we're talking about like people oh. and shapes and sizes and stuff? And I was like, why does it be why can't it be a small per small slight person? Like why does it why do we have that sort of thing in their head? But at whatever happens, even if they do go with Idris or whoever they go or like um, Henry Cavill or whoever it is someone will get annoyed so, obviously yeah. someone will be annoyed they're going this which could have been it could have been this yes. person or could have been that person but someone yeah. well but if their intentions are correct and hopefully it's correct 
then whatever happens, they should be happy with themselves, essentially, if the intentions are correct. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the other part of the, the other half of this is like, who cares if it's not correct? Like, it's easier to complain than it is to create. If you're complaining, why don't you go try to create your own? That, that's the short. Indeed, like, yeah, anytime, yeah. yeah, it's like anytime we get criticism, like, always welcome, especially constructive. Candidly, I've never been given constructive, or uh, how do you say, I have never, what was the right way to phrase this? The overwhelming majority of criticism that we get, and in fact, I would say all that I have been directly hearing is actually inaccurate and wrong. And so my comment to them is like, okay, well, it's wrong. So I'm not going to support that. And then B, it's like, if you're upset, make your own thing. And in fact, I will be complicit in your success in building that thing. Mm -hmm. And do you know what happens almost 100% of the time when I say that? They don't do shit because of course they don't. They, well, people just want to be heard and run their mouth. And I know. Along for right. things they did not help build. Like, yeah. I'm not Santa Claus. I can't, I can't support, like, I'm sorry. I can't support You're not support Santa that, Claus. You know? I didn't, I didn't know Santa without the beard. <laughs> I can't even grow facial hair, so I'm really not Santa Claus. And oh, so, no, you can't no, grow, oh, wow. Okay. That, I'm, I'm kidding, I can't. It's just patchy. It, it becomes oh, like, right, it becomes right, a monster. Right. I mean, but you I, know what I, I mean? Like, I mean, I can't really grow facial hair, but like, probably. Right, yeah, but you've got, you've got great bleach though, so you're okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so, uh, so as we, as we, um, wrap up this uh, episode which i don't really want to because i'm really enjoying the, these conversations oh, likewise. um how what would you give back to our audience um that has maybe inspired you or is a, it might be a book a painting a poem mm. anything like that or what would you give back this is so cheap um well let me give you three i'll give you three i, I feel like i don't want to give you a quote that's like so corny and terrible uh even though like that's stories or what me, move us and all me, whatever you is your, is your gift back all right all right, I'll say the three the three best pieces of advice I've ever been given that like guide my life. Number one, if it doesn't matter now, or it doesn't, if it doesn't matter in five years, it doesn't matter now. Yeah. Number two, Dr. Maya Angelou, uh, people forget what you said or did, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. Number three, um, Einstein, there are two ways to live your life as if everything is a miracle and as if nothing is. Uh, and of course, it is a frivolous thing to say, but you should always choose the former. So that's that. Uh, so that's the advice. The second thing, uh, when people ask me like my favorite book I've ever read, it's Cheryl Strayed, um, uh, Tiny Beautiful Things. Uh, it's basically like atomizes a bunch of like Q&A essays uh, through her pseudonym, uh, Sugar, uh, where she basically like expounds on all the things of love and all that. Uh, I just love it because it's so punchy. She's so tough. And yeah, it's just how many different, like more nuanced dimensions of how I should think about all forms of relationships. So that would be number two. Uh, and then third is it relates to Goldhouse. Anyone can go to goldhouse.org. Uh, you can sign up to be notified and be part of the movement in all the ways. You don't need to be Asian. You don't need to be Asian. Like uh, you don't need to care about traditionally Asian sensibilities, TBD, what that even means. Um, you just have to like great creative and companies and would love to have you. Brilliant. I will also be signing up and make sure cool. everyone is signing up because I think what you're doing is an amazing way. Hence why I reached out to, to come on to come on the show. So again, awesome. thank you so much for coming on 360. Oh, my privilege. You have been 360. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for taking the time to listen to our awesome guests. Please subscribe to our podcast, access all our amazing episodes. We are released every Sunday at 12 o'clock. We're available on all listening platforms, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram for more discussions, education, and inspiration at 360 underscore yourself. The host, that's me, Jamie Neal, on Instagram at Jamie Neal JM. 
If you do enjoy our episodes that you're listening to and certain themes and topics ignite within you, please email jamie at 360.co.uk and I'll read out at the end of each episode stories and comments from you, the audience, the 360ers. And remember to 360 yourself 